We're loading the King's Man up with Titan, and we're eating a licorice pizza with Louis Wayne while we encounter some humans in the Matrix. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Vex Perfect, and this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Welcome to Offscreen. Uh, we are keeping things cinematic and I have to applaud Van Connor there for such an excellent pre-intro intro. That was quite the feat to fit in. One, two, three, four, five, six movies in that and make it sound succinct. So well done, Van. <laughs> Thank you very much, Bex. And you know what? You, you, you've led us off nicely there with the format for this unusual week because it's our last show of the year. So, of course, with the Christmas break upon us, it, it falls to us to cover not one but two weeks of new releases, which gives us six big movies to talk about. Um, one of them has already made it into my top ten of the year list. Just to tell you that Ooh. in advance, one of these six films is in my top ten of the year, okay. and it is in a foreign language as well. So this is this is this is like gonna be like a parasite type thing. Actually, it's raw all over again. If you want the honest truth, but should we start? We're talking about one I know you've seen. Uh, let's mm-hmm. talk about an, a return for Mr. Cumberbatch. We had him last week in, in Spider-Man. He's going to be back next week. Is it New Year's Day? I think this one's out. Uh, New Year's uh, Day? Yeah, 1st of, of January, Louis yeah. So, yeah, indeed. Louis so if you're, Yes, indeed. So if you are after a period drama with a little bit of a twist, a quirky twist, this might be the movie for you because Benedict Cumberbatch and an absolute all-star cast, I have to say, mm. uh, plays um, an English artist called Louis Wan who rises to prominence at the end of the 19th century because of his surreal cat paintings and (laughs) these kind of paintings are very much uh, reflective of his own sanity (laughs) every cat fancier knows puss loves nothing more than to sit on a piece of brown paper well cats are acutely aware of the dangers of electrical rheumatism and of course if you ever need to punish a cat you can just crumple the paper to make the sound of thunder do cats get rheumatism oh yes of course miss simmons mr wing we have been showing your cat pictures to our staff They've been laughing, they've been (laughs) smiling. Tell them, Alicia, tell them I'm not lying. One of our typists, she took some of your pictures home to her kids and she said that they were running about on their hands and knees pretending to be cats. Pretending (laughs) to be cats, how cute. (laughs) And then, and asking to have cats for their birthday. We're gonna get you out there, you're a personality. Wouldn't you say, Alicia, honey? You're Mr. Cat. Cat man. Cat man. Cat man. Cat man. Okay, so this is an interesting one. I'm going to go through the cast list on this for you guys first because yes. it is an all-star cast, like I mentioned. It's a so we've got Benedict well, Cumberbatch as Louis Wan. Yeah, it is, it is indeed. Claire Foy, it's great to see her back doing something. She's brilliant in this. So she plays Emily Richardson Wayne, uh, Wan, who is a, a governess um, and essentially someone that, that Louis falls in love with. But there's an interesting class... Uh, disparity between yes, the two of them yeah. because yeah because he's essentially from wealth she's obviously the help and they fall in love and it's obviously society and she's also because of her age is considered geriatric as well she is, so, yeah, she, she's claire foy's age but she's geriatric yeah. just, you know because them was the times but you know but, you, you, you hit the nail on the head with that ross i mean uh is it wayne or wan i, I can never tell i've been saying wayne but I, i'm not sure offhand I'm not sure either. I, you've got me questioning myself on this, but it doesn't really matter. It's spelt Wayne, but we'll, we'll, we'll call it whatever we want to call it. Andrea Riseborough plays a yeah. sister in this, and she's brilliantly kooky in this. Toby Jones is in this as well. Um, Sharon Rooney, which, um, oh gosh, what is she in? You'll recognise her. Oh, is she, I, I know. She's on I, I was TV. trying to place this all the way through. It is, um, oh God, what is it now? 
my my big fat diary was it was yes it? my big fat mad diary or something yeah it's yes, that something like that I, yeah and then Amy Lou Wood is Claire Wayne, which is another sister as well. So basically, Lou Wayne had like loads of sisters. She's from Sex Education. That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, well, I don't know if you noticed this, but is Nick Cave H.G. Wells? Yes, I believe he is. And this is happening a lot this Christmas. There are so <laughs> many weird, like, musical artists turning up in, in movies as, like, historical <laughs> figures, like, important cameos in movies. It's been insane this this year. Um, yeah, someone, yeah. I don't, Tom Waits was in something I watched the other day. Tom Waits just randomly turned up in something I watched. Um, in fact, it might have, been, might have been one of the ones we're reviewing today, in fact. But The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne was one that I, I felt like, because this is going to be on Prime as well. So mm. this is like in cinemas mm-hmm. and on Prime on, on New Year's Day. So you can watch this one at home. Typical Cumberbatch performance, so you know it's good. Typical Claire yeah. Four performance, so you know it's technically brilliant, even though it's a yes. lot of lip quivering because that is Claire Foy. Um, shout out to Hayley Squires, who we left off the, we left off the list on this one. Hayley Squires from ah. I, Daniel Blake, is in oh, okay, this. Yeah. And I was so happy to see her. Hayley Squires is back. Um, good to see her. My thing with this one is it just didn't build up enough engagement for me. It didn't captivate me. It didn't hook me felt like this was something that had been done very specifically knowing it was a streaming film and that it was only going to appeal to people who were particularly interested in Louis Wan slash Wayne slash Wan, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> James Wan. I don't know. Um, outside of that, it, it's not a really accessible film. I mean, I it wasn't did particularly... Feel- it did feel a bit of a slog at times. Mm. I have to, you know, I mean, you, if you like period dramas, if you like cats, this is going to be one for you. But <laughs> I would cats. say, not the movie cats, no, absolutely not. But I did think that there were like the, the beautiful moments in there's like, he goes to a boxing match, like a, a bare yes. knuckle boxing mm. match. And I thought that was shot beautifully and it really captured the Victorian feel. But then a lot of it felt a bit staged. Like there was a winter moment where he's walking through like a winter market. And I was like, yeah. oh, well, you'd expect to see that in kind of like Waterloo right now where someone dresses up and pretends to be a Victorian winter market. It, it, there's bits of that that doesn't quite work. There's a lot that feels quite perfunctory, a lot that feels quite obligatory. It does feel a lot at times like this has been made as a sort of television event. Yeah. You know, slash television slash streaming event. It's not inherently bad, but you know it, it is where it belongs to be on streaming. So yeah. uh, that's that's The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne out on New Year's Day. You can find that on Amazon Prime as well. Let's talk then about... And this is one I've been kind of dreading talking about. Let's talk about Licorice Pizza, which is Great the Great title. Movie. Yeah, it is a good title, isn't it? Apparently, its original title was Soggy Bottom, which does come <laughs> up in the film. It's actually a line of dialogue used in the film. Um, this is the latest from Paul Thomas Anderson. So good old PTA is back, Magnolia Man Ooh. himself. Um, <laughs> stop me if you've heard this one before. This is a coming-of-age drama set in Southern California in the 1970s about a young, emerging wannabe meets an older woman with whom his tumultuous relationship and his first love leads him through the ages. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? He was maybe going to be my boyfriend. Listen, young lady, you don't bring this idiot to Shabbat dinner here. Listen, Dad, he's an atheist and an actor and he's famous. But he's Jewish. He was going to take me out of here, Etsy. Don't you even look at me. Don't you even look at me. You're always looking at me. What are you doing? Say anything. What are you doing? What are you thinking, huh? I'm Essie. I work for mom and dad. I'm perfect. I'm a real estate agent. Alana doesn't have her life together. Alana brings home stupid boyfriends all the time. I mean, I knew it. I knew that was what you were thinking. You're always thinking things, you thinker. You thinker. You think things. 
Wow. Okay. No, I've not heard that before, apart from every single time. <laughs> but that's it, isn't it? So you get to you get to this movie, and 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 you, and you think it, it's it's very well made because it's Paul Thomas mm. Anderson. Like I can't really fault any film by Paul Thomas Anderson because they are all made to an exemplary standard. Like the man mm-hmm. knows his cinematic craft, knows how to tell a story. And here's the interesting thing about this: the actual film, when you're in it and you're you're following those characters and you are engaged with them, he's, he's perfectly engaging and, and and done quite well. I really liked. I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, the unknown who's who's playing the uh, the lead here. Let me let me, let me uh, pull. Oh, this um, uh, her name Cooper. is um, Alana Haim. Alana Haim, oh, she's, she's the, the lady on the poster. Uh, Cooper Hoffman is our lead character. Then. He is the son of the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. <gasps> oh, yes. And okay. So in the space of a year, both James Gandolfini and Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, the, the departed pair of them have had their sons, uh, you know, appear in, in, in big movies. Um, so wow. I say, this is them growing up in the San Fernando Valley in the 70s. Outside of their performances, which are very engaging, the film itself, you find yourself just sitting there thinking, what the hell am I watching? This, by the way, was the movie with Tom Waits, I think. I think Tom Waits. Yes, it is. Tom Waits is in this, as is Sean Penn. Oh, Sean Penn is in this, yes, and it is Bradley Cooper. Now, I want to talk about Bradley Cooper because he's my favourite thing in this. I've only got about 40 seconds, I want to be quick. Um, Bradley Cooper plays John Peters in this, based on a real incident. Now, these are the real stories, based on real stories of his friend. I forget which is one of his filmmaking friends who had grown up in the Valley. PTA did not have any of this happen to him. It is his friend, and he has fictionalized it. One of the things he has fictionalized is an encounter with John Peters. John Peters was, in the 70s, Barbara Streisand's hairdresser, turned boyfriend, turned movie producer who in the 1990s, in the late 80s, made produced Batman, was a very hands-on producer with Batman, with Tim Burton, and then tried to bring Superman into being with Tim Burton and Nicolas Cage and Kevin Smith. It is a story of legend, and oh my God, if that story has ever amused you, you've got to see this movie just for that. See the movie for Bradley Cooper alone. However, outside of that, you do find yourself watching this movie a lot of the time thinking, what the hell is this movie about? Like, what? what? What is going on here? What, what is happening? I can't tell what the point of any of this is. Oh, I hate those kind of movies where there's no yep. climax to it. It just plods along and then suddenly it ends. It, it, it's just like... Yeah, it's just... Most frustrating. Two, just these teenagers just, like, flirting and will they, won't they? What stuff happens? And then Bradley Cooper turns up for five minutes, does his best John Peters impression as a coked-up maniac... And leaves, and you think Bradley Cooper just made this movie. Bradley Cooper absolutely right. made this movie. I mean, five stars in the Guardian, I'm sure. Five stars in the Telegraph. I think it's up for Film of the Year in a lot of other critics' lists. It has not made my list. Very well made. Uh, performances are, are good and engaging. The film itself, however, decidedly not. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we are keeping you very cinematic this week in the last week before of 2021, in fact. We're going to keep you now on the cinema track with Titan. This is exciting. I know yeah. this... When you said that there might be a film that's going to hit the top top 10 of your list for the year, I kind of already earmarked that it's probably this one. Yeah, this, let's be honest. This is so twisted that it... it 
couldn't not make my ten of the year. Really, um, <laughs> this this is the uh, the latest from Julie De, uh, Julie De Cornell. Do you remember a few years ago she wrote and directed Raw, the French mm. cannibal drama? Do you remember? Do you remember that one? Really yeah. interesting film, fascinating film, and. Right, okay, I'm going into this with fear because every time we get an impressive filmmaker and they do a follow-up, it kind of dies on its arse. Um, do you remember the guy, who was it that made uh, Under the Silver Lake with Andrew Garfield and then before that, what was it made before that? And I compared it to Southland Tales and Donnie Darko, that kind of thing, where you make Donnie Darko and you follow up with Southland Tales and it all just falls apart. I was worried this was going to go the same way. Rest assured, it very, very much will not. So, foreign language films, a French language film, stars the likes of uh, Agatha Roussel. I think this might be her, her, her debut, actually. I think she, uh, I think this might be her debut. She has been in things since, but not... Right, okay. She is a, a young woman who works as a go-go dancer for car shows. In her youth... During a car journey with her father, she got into an accident. She had a, ti- a, a, a titanium plate put in her head, and as a result, has developed a sexual fetishization of cars. <laughs> this manifests itself in her later years as a go-go dancer for car shows, when she has a sideline as a serial killer, taking a certain hairpin out that she uh, she sort of an iconic hairpin that she keeps all the time. It's kind of her signature piece. She takes it out. And she runs it through guys' heads, guys and girls. Oh. Actually, it's worth pointing out. It's quite a progressive film. She runs it through their heads, and um, to celebrate every single time, she then goes and um, let's just say gets intimate with a car. So you will get to see that. Rest assured. Uh, however, one day she discovers she's not feeling too hot. Her belly's swelling. She's producing motor oil, we shall say. What do you think might be happening, Bex, as her stomach starts to increase in size and she starts to produce motor oil? Bex, what do you think is happening, Bex? Oh, my God. Yeah, okay, right. Hold hold that right there. Hold that moment right there, because I'm not done. So, after snapping... Killing a house full of people and then burning down her own house with her parents in it. This is all the first 20 minutes, by the way. Burning down her own house with her parents in it. She then goes to the airport to flee, notices all the cops, notices a sign on a digital display for a missing boy from 10 years ago that has been digitally aged. So it's what he would look like now. And she decides to cosmetically alter herself to impersonate the missing boy, who it turns out is the son of a divorced, steroid-addicted fire chief. She gets taken into the firehouse and becomes part of the firehouse family. It's deranged. I I, I don't know where to begin with it. I, I was blown... Yeah, you oh. just... I I, yeah. I I don't want to watch this. Like I think I think you should. <laughs> I, I really think you should. It's, I don't think like I could handle it. Else. Yeah, you, you'll never compare. I mean, I can compare it to. I can't compare it to anything. I can say there are parts of Raw. There are parts of Cronenberg's Crash. There's a mm-hmm. lot of Cronenberg in it, but there was a lot of Cronenberg in Raw to begin with because there is that body horror element. Fascinating performance by Agatha Roussel. Just fascinating and the brilliantly named vincent linden vincent as uh, <laughs> sorry vincent linden as vincent sorry uh brilliantly written as vincent um fantastic in this really great performance it's a very guttural film it's a film that mm. you feel it is designed to make you feel 
physically horrified, not even emotionally, just physically horrified. You, I had a hard time sitting through this, and you know the things I can sit through. No clip for this one, obviously, because foreign language. <laughs> I, I wish I could provide you with some kind of audible Context, sample yeah. of this insanity. I, I can't. I can only tell you to go and see it. And <laughs> just well, you know what? You this... know what? If if the hubby gets in my bad books, I might just shove this on in the background and see. <laughs> just to serve like as a warning. Freak him out. Yeah, serve yeah. as a warning. Yeah. Oh God! I, I I just I don't know. I. I... I can't. I can't even begin to get into to unpack it. You can't. It's, you can't. I can tell in your face. You can't even articulate this. To like, there's no words. Sometimes there's just no words. It's fantastic. Right? It's fantastic. It is great. I think it's genuinely brilliant. I was watching. This, what have I? This, what is this work of art I have watched? It is deranged. Um, say one of the films of the year for me, hands down. Check it out. Um, but I think it's going to make infinitely less money, however, than our next entry. Somehow. Yeah. What do you reckon? Yeah, maybe, maybe, but only because we're us, us cinema goers are weak and can't take something like Titan. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, what we much prefer to go and watch is something that we're quite familiar with and want to see the origin story of, which is The King's Man. Uh, so if you have been a Kingsman fan, you've watched Eggsy, um, you're not going to see him in this one. Uh, yeah. We're actually go- we're going back to the turn of the 19th, uh, turn of the 20th century, actually, where yes. um, it's the origin story of how the Kingsman group was formed, how they came together. And obviously, when you're thinking of umbrellas and, you know, very posh people fighting for the, the good of the country, who do you turn to to do something like that? Of course, it's going to be Ray Fiennes. You cannot keep me locked away as the world burns. Son, the truth is the world is ruled by corruption and greed. We must do something. Certainly. We are the first independent intelligence agency. Refined but brutal. Civilized but merciless. Welcome to the club. So this, I was I was fascinated by uh, the concept of this one, which first of all is, is the origins of the king of the Kingsmen is World War One specifically because everyone always goes to this one features Rasputin as a villain as one of yeah. a cabal of like a <laughs> Legion of Doom type villain organization. It's uh, <laughs> and Reese Ifans as Rasputin is exactly as much fun as you as you think. Is that Reese Ifans? This one, oh, okay. It is Reese Ifans. It, Reese Ifans as Ninja Rasputin. And yep. you, I think we've we've had the conversation a few times about me being a Russian history nerd. When they fight Rasputin, they do it in, with this wonderful gag about how they have to use all the ways that people actually tried to kill Rasputin. Because there's a list of I think eleven different methods that they tried to kill Rasputin that didn't work, and mm. all of them come up in the fight. Um, I, very fun, but I can't quite figure out who the film is for. Okay. Um, it's not like the other Kingsman movies at all. Mm-hmm. It has a similar aesthetic. It has the look and feel, as in it has that, that, that same kind of camera style, the slow-mo, the, the ramping action, that visceral, nasty sensibility. But this is all tied up in, can we kind of make this slightly satirical about 20th century history. 
specifically the entirety of World War One. It's worth noting they never bring up the influenza pandemic because I was waiting. I was really waiting <laughs> to try and make that topic. This does feel like Matthew Vaughan, who has returned as director here, wanted to make a 20th century period piece revisionist history action film and thought the best way to do it was to sort of smuggle it out stealth in a Kingsman prequel. Mm. It works. It largely works. It's vastly superior to the Kingsman, Kingsman the Golden Circle. Yeah. yeah, Golden Circle was the second one. Yeah, the second one. Um, but still not up to the, 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 the high, the heady, you know, the heady moments of the first. I think the first yeah. is, too, it, it's, too, it's too, too much of a surprise, too much of an iconic one for this past decade. And also, too well done. This doesn't quite measure up to the first Kingsman movie. Having said that, it's nice to see Harris Dickinson uh, gets Harris Dickinson, Harris Dickinson get a lead role. Uh, mm. Ray Fiennes finally gets a chance to be Bond, which is something <laughs> I think a lot of people have always wanted to see a stand by. Him being M now is just borderline ironic. Yeah. And it's like, there's a supporting cast that really works. MVP, though, for me, it's, uh, it's a toss between Reese Ifans and Gemma Arterton. Ah. Gemma Arterton, as a Yorkshire-accented, like, killer nanny, is kind of worth the movie, if I'm really honest. Well, it's good to she's, see her back, to be yeah, fair. <laughs> it is, it is. I'm glad she's in a tentpole, because it is something I would like to see her do more well. I'm surprised she kind of hasn't, really. But, mm. Yeah, Kingsman. It's one that Kingsman fans are going to love anyway, regardless, because, because it's got the tone and the style. But... For me, I don't think it's quite going to work with the younger crowds that aren't already Kingsman fans. Yeah. That just my thing. But I do think Boomer Generation, gonna love this. Welcome back to Off Screen. So, in a change to our normal format, you're going to hear about even more movies on at the cinema. So, we've got two more for you, and no collection of movies on TV this week because by the time it will come out, you will have watched everything that Christmas has to offer, and we think it's probably better to give you those big screen blockbusters instead. Now, something that isn't necessarily a big screen blockbuster but has some big screen names in it. Mm -hmm. is The Humans. Um, now, this stars Richard Jenkins, Amy Schumer, and Beanie Feldstein as just three of the, the cast that's in this that is worth noting. But this is um, this is a, a film Based which is play, set... Well, uh, yeah, you're surprised you, by that in you any would know, way. You? You, you would just know. You, you would even, know. Even if, you, even if it wasn't, you would just know. Yeah, yeah. So it basically, it's it, it set inside this pre-war duplex in downtown Manhattan. And it's a family that comes together for Thanksgiving, where I think Beanie Feldstein and her partner are uh, played by... Stephen uh, Yoon. Stephen Yoon, yes. Stephen Yoon. Yes, where they are, they are basically moved into this place and the family have come to visit. And they all sit around and have Thanksgiving together. And mysterious things start to go bump in the night and lots of family tensions start boiling above the surface. There's this comic book I was obsessed with as a kid. It's about this species of half alien, half demon creatures and the scary stories that they tell each other. Oh, hi. Are all about us, humans. I know you think there's something wrong with me. It's not a new thing. She still acts like a murderer, but I'm trying to apologize. You'll find someone new. You're gonna come out of this stronger. I promise. Stop lying to me. Just stop. Don't actually stop. 
everything I say makes her feel. Yeah. Who she remind you? You. Me. You. It's you, my friend. Not gonna lie, I thought this was a snooze. I really did. I, I, you give me a movie called The Humans. I, I think, oh, please, oh, cool, a movie about robots or something. Oh, that'd be nice. Like maybe it's maybe it's a movie about androids like overthrowing their, uh, <laughs> their human overlords or something. No, sadly not. Um, I just could not. I mean, it does no. feel. It, it not only does it feel like a play, it feels like a very specific kind of play. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Your friend's self, self, you know, produced play that you are obligated to attend and say nice things mm-hmm. about. This feels like what 100%. happens when, yeah, this feels like what happens when that has been allowed to snowball for too long and people think it's popular enough to make a movie out of. Um, it's worth noting that Stephen Karam, who made the, the play, wrote the play, has also written and directed this ad as well. I will say, it isn't badly directed. Like, the cinematography of it, quite good. The framing of it, the way it's staged, at times, is quite good. The problem is the play's not very interesting. Well, but but on that, I think if you are immersed in it as the writer of the play and then step into the cinematic realm with it, maybe you're too mm-hmm. close to this material to know actually how to separate it for a cinematic audience. And that's the problem that I think this this has got. Yeah, the play isn't very good. It's not that interesting. You know, I, I, I can, I'm can i applauding him for getting the, an incredible cast together, but I'm pretty sure that Amy Schumer's probably looked at this and gone, do you know what? If I do this, people might take me really seriously. I'm yes. not just the girl from Trainwreck. <laughs> I yep. think that's kind of how it's played out. And it's unfortunate that she's picked this particular movie stroke play to do that in um she doesn't do very much it's not that interesting it's just really there's a lot there's more pauses in this than made in chelsea <laughs> oh good god do you know i watched my very first ever episode of made in chelsea last night true story oh good lord my very okay. first one i've never seen an episode in my life well you'll know <laughs> what i mean then <laughs> yeah, i do i do yeah 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 i mean i i personally love a you know an hour-long show in which people constantly begin every sentence with well you see what i'm saying is yeah like what, what i'm saying what i'm going for yeah is yeah that's not how people talk stop doing it that is not reality let alone reality on tv anyway so uh the humans rubbish let's talk about the matrix <laughs> <sighs> yes yes let's because look i'm gonna tell you as a girl who grew up and watched the first Matrix and kind of went, oh my goodness, this has changed the game for me and my love of cinema. It's a huge thing, right? And then to be let down by the the subsequent Sequels. movies, yeah, is, is a big thing. For someone who has visited Sydney to hit all the landmarks in which the original Matrix has been filmed, you're speaking to someone who is going to be very excited about the Matrix Resurrections. And I'm hoping, I haven't seen this yet, that I'm not going to be disappointed. This is one of the hardest film reviews I have ever had to do. Just for plot, just for plot, this is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Let me see how to synopsize this without spoiling. So, um, following on from the events of the trilogy, we encounter a new set of, you know, rebel, Zion rebels in the in the real world. They're not from Zion, that is part of the plot, but they are from half Zion, if you use the literal letters. Um, they find themselves in a new form of the Matrix, a new evolution, a new iteration of the Matrix, complete with its own Neo and its own Trinity. However, they don't seem to know that they're Neo or Trinity. They don't even seem to know each other. They do seem to share an, an unspoken connection whenever they get near one another at a local coffee shop. But other than that, 
Thomas Anderson, as he's now called, is kind of back in his old life, but with one distinct twist. You see, in this new iteration, he's actually spent all this time not as a cubicle-bound corporate shill, he's actually a game designer. And it turns out that in 1999, he created a groundbreaking, genre-defining video game, which spawned a trilogy called <laughs> The Matrix. Amazing. Okay. Yes. And our new rebels have to not only figure out just what the hell is going on, or who this new guy is who keeps saying he's named Morpheus, played by Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, incidentally, who I'm really starting to adore every time he turns up on screen. But they also have to figure out how to get Neo out of this and just how to set right everything that set right everything that seemingly has gone wrong since the last time they set it right so many odd years ago. But unfortunately, Neo has other concerns, chiefly getting back with Trinity. Oh. No. No, 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 no. Oh, whoa, no. whoa, what do you mean, no? You wanted this. You did this. This was your idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a test. An experiment. An experiment? You put me in a tiny model. Left me to bang my head till I nearly lost my searching for you as an experiment. The exit's breaking down. He hasn't taken the pill. What? There's no time. I know, I know. He's, he's having a moment. Does he know how hard it was to hack that mirror? Still open. This, this can't be real. So that we've not got the same Morpheus this time around? No, not the same Morpheus. Why? Is that is that explained? It is explained. I can't tell okay. you. It makes sense. Okay, there, fine, It is a fine. logical explanation. Okay. I will say the actual plot <laughs> of this movie makes infinitely more sense than either of the sequels. Okay. It does. Good. It follows on directly. It makes no bones about this is not Ghostbusters Afterlife where we're just going to pretend that two didn't happen because it's inconvenient for how we want to do this plot. Everything happened. There's some slow revisionist history going on. But to be fair, involve things that we did not see. Yeah, you do know that I was just furiously just looking up whether or not Lawrence Fishburne was still with us or not. <laughs> I was pretty <laughs> sure that he was. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne's in, and I can <laughs> tell you that the movie is about legacy. It is a legacy sequel, obviously, which we're not unaccustomed to now. We've had a fair few. Obviously, the two biggies are Force Awakens and Ghostbusters Afterlife. This is closest to The Force Awakens in that it basically takes the formula of the original movie does it again with some subversions and some twists, even does the sequels while it's at it, just, you know, for uh, S and Gs. Wish I could find a way to say that, um, like radio friendly. <laughs> for S and Gs, it, it, you know, it's, uh, it does the sequels as well. It does compressed versions of them with new twists and new sub. This is a new iteration of The Matrix, and because it's a new iteration, the gimmick is we know what you're going to do what we're going to do. That's the whole thing with it. A legacy sequel about legacy sequels is a hell of a flag. There is a lot of time early on in this movie with characters literally stood around talking about how terrible an idea it is to make a fourth Matrix. And then to talk about what the Matrix was about and what a sequel to the Matrix should be about. It's borderline genius, let down by only one thing. It's only got whiskies. Yeah. It's very specific. Lana. Got, it's got Lana. It's not got Lily. Now, mm. I'm going to hedge a bet. I know we're overrunning for time, but this is an important point I think needs to be made. 
I'm going to go out on a limb and guess, sight and scene, I've not looked this up, that Lily was more hands-on with the action scenes in the previous trilogy. Mm-hmm. Because there are, it's not an action movie, but there are action scenes, and they do feel obligatory. They do feel perfunctory. They don't feel anywhere near as refined, well staged, or imaginative as anything in any of the three other movies. And I'm including the sequels in that because they still had imaginative, mm. if not well done, action scenes. This just doesn't quite work on that level. But as a pseudo philosophical, actually brilliant. If you want a pseudo-philosophical sci-fi romantic drama, look no further. And there is a sentence I never thought I would get to say in 2021. The Matrix Resurrection's pretty good. You can see it in cinemas now. It came out on Wednesday, I think, the 22nd. It'll be on digital in a matter of weeks. I think it's a sequel that will please people. I think it's a actually surprising dramatic turn for Keanu, who gets to mine some really interesting character stuff out of this. It takes the series back to being about characters, which it hadn't been in the previous two movies. And it genuinely opens up wonder and suspense, like the first movie, unlike the last two. I think it's worth checking out. I think it is a good sequel. I don't quite agree with some of the lower bar reviews that I've seen out there. I think it's a three and a half to four star film that is let down by this need for perfunctory action. But I think, to be honest, you know if you're going to see this or not already. You know whether or not you're going to see it in cinema, whether or not you're going to wait to see it, you know, on home release. Um, You can see it. Now it's in cinemas. Uh, Boxing Day this year, you can see uh, The Kingsman and Titan, uh, along with The Humans. New Year's Day, you can see The Electrical Life of Louis Wayne slash one slash one. I have no idea how we're pronouncing that. Along with Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza. And there you go. That is your Christmas lineup for new big releases. What do you think, Berks? It's a hell of a festive package right there. I'm feeling festive as we speak. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we are keeping you festive, but keeping you back at your house with some DVD streaming, Blu-ray, whatever your shiny disc. This is your every bit in between that we like to bring you. And we're kicking off with some pretty solid films. We've got quite the selection, haven't we? We, we have. I mean, DVD and Blu-ray, because we've got two weeks worth, don't forget, as well. We should probably just do this show yeah. in two weeks, and then we don't have to worry about like, <laughs> content. Um, so DVD and Blu-ray this week. So this coming Monday, which is, what is this coming Monday now. This coming Monday would be the 27th. 27th. So yeah. the 27th. On the 27th, we've got two new releases. One I haven't seen and I'm very much looking forward to catching. The first is Cop Shop with Frank Grillo and Gerard Butler, a pairing I always wanted to see in a movie. Not that great, but, you know, it has its moments. A decent little riff on Assault on Precinct 13 and Smoking Aces, but it's kind of just a, another run around the block for Joe Carnahan, I think. Some fun for Grillo and, and, and Butler, though, yeah. definitely. I remember, I remember seeing this on the side of the buses. There's a big Gerard, Jerry Butler sort of image that's on a lot of the London buses at the moment. And I remember you reviewing this and kind of saying it's, you know, it's mindless action fun. You know, they're yeah. having a bit of a ball with it. You might well too. Okay, so that's Cop Shop. We then got Malignant, uh, Malignant which is out I- as well. A James Wan movie that I haven't seen. Yeah. I hear incredible. There's something about this that I, there, there is some. It's there's some subversion or twist or something to this that has really messed with people. And I, I don't know what that is, but I, I really want to see it and find out. I don't even know what Malignant is about, so I'm deliberately keeping myself in the dark on that one. Mm. However, the following Monday, the third 
of January. Um, a pretty big movie is coming to DVD and Blu-ray. This has done. Uh, this did decent at the box office. It's Andy Circus, the Andy Circus-directed superhero sequel, Venom. Let there be carnage, which reunites Tom Hardy with his favorite alien goo, along with Michelle Williams, and uh, this time adds Woody Harrelson to the mix for S and Gs. Uh, this one went down gangbusters with uh, my uh, my partner's son. He's a fanatic. He's seven, and he's a fanatic of Venom. Right. This is kind of telling you who the who the fan base increasingly becomes for these movies. They're getting they started to be they used to be teenage, and now they seem to be getting younger because Venom seems to be uh, turning <laughs> up in more and more cartoons. This time around, Venom goes up against another evil Venom. This time, one that's taken over a serial killer and turned literally the color red, named Carnage. But of course, it doesn't quite measure up to the real conflict between Venom the symbiote and Venom's own host, Eddie Brock. This is about me wanting to live without you, whining in my ear all the time about eating bad guys or like nagging me about Anne or destroying my place or destroying my life. Do you know how lucky you are that I chose you? You chose me? But I'm the only person that took you in when your friends kicked you off the planet Ming Mong because you are a reject. You are a pariah. Need to protection my ass. You couldn't protect anything. You are useless. You can get a job down here cleaning toilets. Oh. I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. Please let me fix it. How about it? Fuck again. Well, there we go. That is uh, that is Venom. Um, that had a bit of a mixed bag from critics, I think, when mm. it came out initially. So it's one that maybe if you are a Venom fan, you might want to just check out. And if you haven't, if you didn't catch it in the cinemas, it might be worth you guys doing in the comfort of your own home. Now, let's move swiftly on to streaming. Now, this next one on streaming, I am super excited about because it's got an all-star cast. It's an Adam McKay film, and it is something that I think from the trailer you're already thinking this is going to do some big business come awards oh, season. Yeah. Um, it is Don't Look Up. It's out on Friday on Netflix. Or, well, it's out today, sorry, on Netflix. It's out, out today. It has, it's worth noting, this This was out like two weeks ago in cinemas on limited theatrical. All-star cast, um, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jonah Hill, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, all in there. And it is, of course, um, an ensemble uh, piece about what happens when they detect a planet-killing comet falling to Earth. I... Uh, I really can't wait to see what Adam McKay makes of that concert. I'm very bummed to miss out on that one. Um, however, yeah. Monday the third on Netflix, you can catch one of my uh, one of my uh, favourite Guy Ritchie movies. I think it's his best one since Snatch. Actually, it is uh, The Gentleman with uh, Matthew McConaughey, with Colin Farrell, with Hugh Grant, with Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. With pick your pick your big name actor. They were in this. So this uh, this was out a couple of Christmases ago, wasn't it? On in, on cinematic release. I think we did this just before COVID. I think this was yeah. that Christmas just before COVID. I remember I got on one of the, I was on one of the tube posters for Talk Radio for this. Yeah, I think, and and it got, you know, it kind of brings you back to that real Guy Ritchie look and feel and style. Mm. And, you know, Hugh Grant's in this as well, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he gets to do, because he's doing the same shtick in the new Guy Ritchie movie. Um, mm. What's it called? Ruse de Guerre, Operation, the Jason Statham spy one. Yeah, Operation yeah, yeah. something or the ruse de guerre. But he's doing the same. Oh, go on. Oh, yeah. go on. <laughs> oh, you shaky monkey. Oh, oh, oh. He's, that's what he's doing the whole way. He's brilliant. Yeah. He's fantastic. I love him in this movie. Uh, again, you know, I'm MVP of the movie easily, but also just there's so many performances like that in it. Colin Farrell. As uh, as the uh, the gym uh, the, the gym owner who's sort of mentor to all the way would you yeah. love him in it and also gets yeah. an incredible scene with Eddie Marson as uh, as a tabloid editor involving a pig that 
Wow. It just wow. sticks with you. Wow. With you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It sticks with you, doesn't it? it sticks with you. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving on. on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on then to Amazon Prime then. This one, we're going back, back now to New Year's Day. So this coming, uh, this next Saturday, not this coming Saturday, next Saturday, New Year's Day, one of my all-time very favourite movies comes to Amazon Prime. We've talked about this a couple of times on Freeview, I think. It is Roland Emmerich's Stargate from 1994. A frankly brilliant film that went on to spawn one of the longest running cross media TV franchises ever, mm. I think. But uh, worth watching Kurt Russell and James Spader in yes. one of the only times James Spader ever played an unqualified, an unquestionable good guy. Yeah, because I will yeah, argue yeah, yeah. that Alan. Sh- I'll argue that Alan Shaw is not a good guy. Yeah. So, yeah. I have to say, I I grew up watching this movie. I watched it again and again and again. I had it on VHS. <laughs> I blooming loved it. And I'm not I'm not you know I'm not a big sci-fi movie fan. Like it's not it's not my thing really. But I, I something about this film really really blew me away, and I I do like revisiting it. It's the it's the spectacle and the ancient Egyptian iconography, isn't it? Yes. It gives you that sort of Indiana Jones feel to it. Um, yeah, so totally. the same day, another movie that was also beloved in its time, I think, uh, comes to Amazon Prime the same day. It is of course Broken Lizards, Super Troopers. I love this movie. And meow, it's finally here on streaming. I can't get over it. It's, it's you know, I'm, I'm just honestly, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy right now. I, I really am. It's, it's just, it's one of the great comics about uh, state troopers patrolling yeah. a certain section of highway, going to war with the local cops who are moseying in on their territory. And you know what? This is worth rewatching for you, Bex, because mm. the, 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 the chief is Brian Cox. You know, yeah. now we've had three years of succession now. It might be worth going back and seeing him in a comedy. I don't know if I'm going to see him there. in a. Yeah, I know. I don't know if I want to see him in a non Logan Roy kind of <laughs> setting. I'm not sure that's what I want. But, like, you know, if you like films like Hot Rods and things like that, I think yeah. it's kind of, you know, feels along the same lines if you haven't seen I th- it. I think the opening scene of the movie, the just literally the cold open of it, just sets the tone perfectly. Watch that, and if you don't like that first sort of two or three minutes, turn off, it's not for you. If you do find that hilarious, mm. though, which most people do, you're in for a whale of a time. Uh, similarly in for a whale yeah. of a time, um, today, in fact, uh, you can go on to Disney+, Plus and being made available to the general streaming library, no longer a uh, Disney+, Plus premium access title, is Encanto, which was, I think mm. it's the, the last Disney princess movie we've had. This was out, what, about a month ago? Yeah, yeah, gosh, yeah. It's not been very long since it's been out. And and it kind of, it did okay business, didn't it? It wasn't it did, groundbreaking, it did. but it... Uh, kind of a typical Disney concept. It, it you know, follows mm. the the only unpowered member of a super-powered, you know, fairy tale, magically-powered family. Mm. Uh, this one is uh, South American-flavoured. There is There are elements of, like, guerrilla warfare in the background and things that kept really fascinating because I kept wondering exactly where this was set, etc. Like, mm. what regime is this? And what time period is it? Um, really good, though. I really enjoyed it. Stephanie Beatriz uh, is our lead, I think, in this one, and she's, she's great fun in it. Um, I just had a ball with it. Also, just give me John Leguizamo in anything ever. Oh, yeah. Got my money. Yeah. yeah. And, of course, you don't even need to pay money for this because it's on Disney Plus streaming. So if you've got a Disney exactly. Plus, you know, you've already you've already paid your five ninety nine, six ninety nine, five ninety nine. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Louisa, can you reroute the river? Will do. Reset. The donkey's got out again. On it. Huh? Uh. 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 Uh.
You've got to tell me about the magic. What's going on? What are you hiding? Nothing. Just got a lot of chores, so maybe you should just go home. Lisa, my house is leaning to the... <laughs> Dolores said your eye was twitching. It never twitches. Something's making you nervous. Move. You're going to make me drop a donkey. <laughs> Luisa, we just... Just tell me what it is. There's nothing to tell. You're obviously worried about something. Lisa, if you know what's hurting the magic and it gets worse because you won't tell me what's wrong. Nothing's wrong! Wow, uh, sorry. That, uh, that snuck out there. New Year's Eve. They are going to do... They're going to really make you think that that money was worth it. They have licensed a pair of films. Disney Plus oh. don't generally license films. Apparently this is because they want to increase their regional content, their national, national specific content. So they have licensed the first two Paddington movies. So we can look forward on New Year's Eve to checking out the wonder that is Paddington and Paddington 2 on Disney Plus. Perfect family films all around. Ben Whishaw as Paddington is probably the most charming thing ever put to a cinema screen, maybe, I think. And also perfect if we end up going into lockdown. So, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's always a silver lining somewhere, and that is in a national treasure that is Paddington the Bear. These are two brilliant films. What a lovely way to round off the show this this uh, this Christmas this Eve. Yeah, Eve. even. Yeah, this year. So we're going to take a little break uh, next week and we'll be back ready and raring to go in early 2022 for you. So 7th of January. And do you know the best part? Wow. You know what we get to come back with? Go we on. get to come back with an all-female action movie led by Jessica Chastain. Ah, uh, yes. I'm, I'm down for that. Like, give me give me the 355. I'm in. I think we're also going to be coming back with uh, Dog Wolf's latest, which is called Ali. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the new Curzon movie, A Hero, will be out. And, of course, uh, long delayed, um, Boiling Point will finally yeah. be out, which I think we're screening at LFF this, uh, this past year. So you've got all those to come and more on January 7th off screen. So in the meanwhile, that is your, your veritable, you know, helping of goodies that is your your festive package for this season in which case I've been Van Connor and I've been Bex Perfect and we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year to go with that too but until next time we shall return <laughs> <laughs>